Hey, Blue Shirt Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirt Breakaway. We're number one in the Metro, and I'm here with Classic Greg. Greg, say hello. Classic Greg? I have a microphone. This is like new age Greg. Oh, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, I actually that's had, the exact, Classic Greg I'd be calling in on my phone on shitty internet. I actually had a, a brand new opening presented, but oh. I'm going to save it for next week. Brock Osweiler almost threw an interception. That would have been Once sweet. again, reminding our fans... When we're watching, when we're recording the podcast, <laughs> we do it almost nonstop every podcast. So here it's, we are. At this point, I'm doing it out of tradition. I feel like if I don't do it on the podcast, no one will know when we're actually recording. And I like the timestamp things. Yeah, so so that people can stalk us. All right, Greg. The Rangers had a pretty wonderful week, with the exception of playing, well, playing a close game against the Red Wings that they should have won. Uh yeah, Jimmy Howard all of a sudden fucking Vesna front runner Jimmy Howard just a jerk about everything. That was an unbelievable game by Howard. Like it's it's hard to be angry about anything the Rangers did in that game because they executed. The, the only thing the Rangers didn't do was score more goals than the Red Wings. That's wow. literally so it. Win the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I mean is like there's. I can't take away any one player's performance in that game and be like, well, that's why the Rangers lost. The Rangers played a very complete game of hockey. It's just Jimmy Howard was better, period. End of story. Right. And that, that was – we haven't had a legitimate loss yet is what I wanted to bring up uh, before we go over the next two games over the weekend. I feel like every game we've played we've been in, uh, they were all winnable, and we could very easily be 6-0 and right now. Well, and- the funny thing – so the storyline that's been going around is – Going into the Coyotes game, the Rangers should have been 5-0. and Should have been. Because their two losses, they played fantastic. They were just the hotter goalie won. The worst game the Rangers played this year was Sunday against the Coyotes. So you could make the argument that the Rangers should actually be 5-1 and because they basically had no business winning that game against the Coyotes. Absolutely no business. The Coyote goaltender, bless his heart, I think his name is Domi or not Domi. That's the forward. Uh, it's something like Domi. Uh, he had a 6.25 goals against average going into that game. So uh, I would say that's is, pretty this good. This is just stellar research by you to make sure we had the correct goalie name. Right. I, I knew his I knew his goals against, but I didn't know his name. So, you know, oh, yeah. classic podcast research. Not not getting the respect he deserves. Nameless Arizona Coyote goalie number one. Number two, actually. The first one got hurt. Uh, oh, jeez. That's exactly why they happened. Oh, jeez. Remember when I said a couple weeks ago that Coyotes would be good? Uh, I try not to remember those days. I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> uh, not as good as your Chris Crowder trade thing, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and revert to form here and say uh, I don't think that team is good. Actually, Duclair has looked rather bad, which makes me feel good as a person. What happened? I'm sorry. I, oh, I got distracted okay. You watching TV, Greg? <laughs> no, uh, no, no. The, the mom texted me and it made me look down and okay. ignore everything you were saying. Right. Looking down makes you, means you can't listen. That's what everyone says. <laughs> ask, ask any of my teachers between grades 7 and 12 yeah. and they would tell you the exact same thing. Dogs can't look up and looking down means you can't listen. And that's it. Um, that's it. I was saying that Duclair has looked pretty bad. Especially in last night's game against the Rangers, he hasn't really looked like himself, and in that case, I don't feel as bad getting rid of him for nothing. Okay, well, way, way to react to the smallest sample size possible and make outlandish statements about Anthony. Well, we know he's had a, a a very bad start to the season. He has zero points so far, including his line has zero. I think one his forward mate Domi only has two points for the entire season. Is everyone on the Coyotes named Domi to you, except yes. Anthony Duclair? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, Domi, Domi, Domi. That line is is pretty bad for them. 
Well, the Coyotes are just a bad team. I feel like you could put red-hot Chris Kreider on the Coyotes right now, and he'd have, I don't know, two points? Not with these next spasms. Let's get to injuries. Okay. Uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll talk about more of the games. So Chris Kreider right. sat out of the uh, Arizona game with next spasms. I fully expect him to be in the lineup on Wednesday versus the Bruins. Yeah, I mean, look, you don't want injuries to... Uh, well, my God, I can't think of words oh my God. that I'm trying to use. Oh in my God. <laughs> you don't want you don't want injuries to snowball. You you'd rather if Kreider's feeling less than 100 percent on a back to back when you just played an important game against the Capitals and arguably have another important game coming up against the Bruins and the opponent on Sunday is the Coyotes, a team you should beat without Chris Kreider. Spoiler alert: they did. You give him a break. I don't think the Kreider injury is anything serious, but then again, I also didn't think the uh, Buknevich injury was anything serious, and he's on IR. Right. So what do I know? So he's on IR, and we we're pretty sure he's on IR for the following reason: they needed to make a roster move. He wasn't going to play. They needed to bring Lindbergh up, and they didn't. Now they're going to figure out what to do with this team, which, by the way, officially has too many forwards again, and is carrying eight defensemen. Greg, uh, which yeah, is- I think it's it's one of those situations where if Kreider was ready to go, they wouldn't have even activated Lindbergh, and they wouldn't have. They probably wouldn't have put Book on the IR. They would have just stayed as it were, let Juris play in Buknevich's spot that he's been doing, and just continue to roll out your lines like he did Saturday. But Kreider getting the day meant the Rangers needed a forward. Lindbergh was ready to go, so they just swapped Book and Lindbergh, and Lindbergh was in the lineup. And he had an okay game. Pretty unnoticeable, which I guess is an okay thing uh, in that game. Well, I will say the fourth line looked incredible. And has been incredible for this team. Uh, for the first time, yeah. I have a... Was that? I'm just saying, like, the fourth line's looked incredible because the Rangers are playing third-line players on their fourth line. Right. And they Josh, don't have a traditional fourth line. And Josh Jurish is a third-line third, third line player trying to make this team. He said in an interview yeah. with uh, one of the halftime... Halftime, I just call it halftime. In between period <laughs> interviews, uh, that he's, he's playing for his jersey right now to be on this team. And uh, I don't know if he's going to make he's it. Playing- well, he's playing quite well. He had a very nice goal against the Coyotes. Correct, and he, that's why it's really hard to see him off the team, but A.B. seems to be stuck in his ways, as I'm sure we'll talk about in about two seconds. Well, I don't think it's so much that, okay, the forward discussion isn't so much A.B. is stuck in his ways. It's just, you know, Oscar Lindbergh is a better player than Josh Jerris. It's not anything against Josh Jerris in that fact. It's just that Lindbergh is better. Are we that sure Lindbergh's better? I, I'm sure he has a higher ceiling than Jerris does, yes. I don't know. I guess the argument to be had is right now is a Oscar Lindbergh needing to get in sh- back in the playing shape from being off the ice for so long, a better player in rhythm than Josh Jerris? Maybe not, but you put those two players in the lineup, 82 games, Lindbergh is going to have the better season. I, I think that is, I'm fairly confident in saying that. That's and I do not mean any disrespect to Josh Jarrett in saying that. It's more credit to how deep these Ranger lines are that, you know, Josh Jarrett is easily a fourth-line center on over half of the teams in the NHL, and he's having a hard time cracking the Rangers lineup. That's, that's a good problem to have. That's, that's the version of a good problem to have. That is a good problem. Uh, I, I have a feeling he won't be on the team, to be honest. I don't think he'll he'll make it. I think he'll get sent down. Uh, which is upsetting, which brings me to the next point of uh, we, we're holding eight defensemen right now. And uh, I don't know if you've been on the game threads at all, but Nick Holden, not exactly a uh, 
fan favorite, as they say. Uh, were you not on the podcast last week when I was just shitting all over Nick? <laughs> I know, yeah. I checked out for that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess only the fans are saying things about Nick Holden and not the guy you talk to every Monday night about the New York Rangers. Yeah, he <laughs> he has been pretty bad, but yet he's played substantial minutes. For example, in yeah. the in in the in the Washington game, he played 21 minutes. Uh, Concerning. We won that game, so. Somehow. Somehow. And he had zero giveaways that game, which is pretty impressive himself for him, for him, who he is. Um, but is he really the answer when Adam Quadetting is only playing 12 minutes and Shea only played 10 minutes that game? Is Shea just uh, not ready? I don't think it's that Shea's not ready. I think, I, it, you know, we're not breaking any serious barriers here or breaking huge news. I honestly think Elaine Vigneault has an awful time evaluating defensive players. Full stop. I don't think he's good at it. I haven't seen anything to prove that AV can properly evaluate defensive players. Case in point, Girardi and Holden in the lineup, Clendenning, who has been, by most metrics, the most complete Rangers defender through the first five games of the season. And he sat on Sunday. Hold on. The most complete Ranger defender not named Ryan McDonough. Statistically speaking, Clint Denning has put up better two-way stats than McDonough. Okay, if you go by by stats, but if you watch McDonough over the <laughs> well, no, no, even that, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, if, if you go, go, if by, you go stats, by stats, Miguel Cabrera was MVP over Mike Trout. That's right. not true. No, no, this is my point. Okay, well, sometimes you got to peel the onion layer back, my well, friend. Well, he's also played less minutes than McDonough. It's a smaller sample size. He's played a substantially less minutes than McDonough. Given the ice time that Clint Denning has been given, right. he has outperformed any other Ranger defender. I can't say that about I will agree with you 100% with the exception of McDonough. He's played better than I've ever seen him play. Fair. Still, Clint Denning, we're splitting hairs. He's one of the two best Ranger defenders so far this season. And Nick Holden, without question, has been the worst. He's been as much crap as we like to give Mark Stahl and as much crap as we like to give Dan Girardi. Nick Holden has been unequivocally worse than those two. And he's shown no signs of turning that around. Now, can Nick Holden develop into a decent third-line pairing defender that you can pick and choose who you're matching him up against? Sure, absolutely. He has that potential. The problem is A.V. is literally playing him on the top line in top-line minutes while benching Adam Clendenning, who's just been miles better than Holden this year. I've, no one is out there saying Clint Denning hasn't been better than Holden. There are people saying Holden hasn't been as terrible as people have made him out to be. Fact of the matter is, he's not been as good as Clint Denning. He's shown no signs of being as good as Clint Denning. And there is no excuse for taking Clint Denning out of the lineup. It's just bad roster management by AV. And it makes me think it doesn't matter the pieces Jeff Gordon could give. AV, if AV is going to continue to make these decisions, does the decision-making process have to be taken out of AV's hand? Does Gordon have to go down there and say, look, these are the six defensemen you're playing tonight. These are the pairings you're playing with. Like, that would be unprecedented, right? What's the point of having a head coach if you're going to be making those decisions? At the same time, I don't understand why Holden is in the lineup and Clendenning isn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I'm with you 100%. I was on Team Clendenning for a while. 
Yeah, and I'm not like I don't know. If, I, I'm not saying the answer is fire AV. That's ridiculous. We're off to a four and two start. Our offense looks fantastic, and and I haven't been this excited about a team in years. Right, but at the same time, the decision making process is so poor defensively, pairing wise, with this Rangers team that it makes you question how AV fundamentally evaluates defensive players. It doesn't seem like he knows how to. Well. Interestingly enough, I do have a point about this. Last night, uh, when when the Arizona Coyotes, or two nights ago, as I should say for people listening, uh, when the Arizona Coyotes pulled their goalie, uh, unnamed goalie from the from the net and brought him over to the to the bench, put six men on the ice. Uh, Av put Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi on the ice at the same time when there were six men on the ice. Do you think at that point in time you're supposed to put Klein or like he didn't put Holden out there? In that situation. If Clendenning is not available, what defender would I put with McDonough in a we-need-to-kill-this-time yeah, we situation? Yeah, we have two minutes of six on five. Who am I putting as a second defender? I think it's Klein, and I don't think you hesitate. Right, but Klein didn't play. And I think that, that, that A.V. gave Dan Girardi a bone last night after he scored the goal, and Dan Girardi was the only defender that didn't give a, take, give a giveaway last night. Uh, At the same time, AV also likes to do the thing where he sees that Stahl and Klein were working as a unit, and at times he almost stubbornly refuses to break up a pairing that's working. Sure. Like, he has no hesitation, no hesitation about swapping guys in and out of a pairing if it's not working, but to to a fault, he wouldn't want to take Klein away from Stahl or Stahl away from Klein in that situation. Fine, but this is where it's what's even weirder. Uh, Dan Girardi was not Ryan McDonough's line mate last night. No, wasn't it Holden? Yeah, it was Holden. And then he put yeah. Dan Girardi in for the last two minutes. Right, because it was clear Girardi played a better game than Holden, but at the same time, that's like that's like saying, I don't know, your team loses 3 nothing, and you get two hits, and you say, well, you know, so-and-so had one hit. That's not terrible, right? right? Yeah. As a collective unit, it still wasn't good. Just say to say you played better than Nick Holden is not necessarily a compliment. It should be an expectation. Oh right. My point is that maybe Av's starting to lose trust in the, in him as a player because he didn't end up putting Holden in for the last two minutes. No, and Holden's minutes were way down. I think he was below sixteen minutes yesterday. No, he was at seventeen. But yes, he, he usually okay. is at, he usually usually is at twenty two. Yeah, he, they shaved about four minutes off from one night to the other. Some of that, I'm sure, is the AV wanting to rotate because it was a back-to-back. And some of it is, look, Nick Holden just isn't playing well. I, I, I really don't think either of us are, you know, reinventing the wheel with that statement. No, Nick Holden not. right now is struggling as a defensive player in the Rangers system, which makes it even more baffling when you have someone like Adam Clendenning, who is thriving in this system the Rangers are running, and AV is looking for excuses not to put him on the ice. Maybe it's because he just doesn't think he's that good. I don't know. Maybe he isn't that good. Maybe there's something we don't know. But here's the thing. One, I'm not saying – I don't know if this is sustainable through a whole year. I am not trying to say that Adam Clendenning is better than Keith Yandel. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point is right now, in this specific moment, if you were to say – the Rangers are going to put their six best defenders on the ice every night, and Adam Clendenning isn't one of the first three names you say, you're improperly evaluating defensive players. Because fact of the matter is, Clendenning, what we've seen so far in this five-game sample, which is, yes, a tiny sample, 
what we've seen so far is Adam Clendenning might be the Rangers' best two-way defender. Right. It's, that's just comparable to the other players he's playing with. He's 100% better than Nick Holden. He's played better than Mark Stahl. He's played better than Dan Girardi. In fact, some of the best Mark Stahl has looked this year is when he was paired with Clendenning, and Clendenning helped raise his game. I just... If you're going to sit, uh, first of all, the Rangers need to get rid of the eighth defenseman. That, uh, poor Dylan McElrath is never going to smell the ice. Right. What's either, happening with that? It, like, either put him on waivers or trade the kid. Like At this point, I'm feeling bad for him because you don't need the defensive depth that badly, I don't think, to keep McElrath around. Oh, he'll never you play. Have plenty, he'll never play. He's never, he'll never play, and you have McElrath-like options in Hartford that you can call up and send back down without risking losing them to waivers. You have plenty of options. Um, you you got to be able to get something from McElrath in a trade. I don't know what type of value you get from there. It's probably, at this point, a late-round draft pick. A very late. Go Lamar Miller. That's a more than a 15-yard run. I That's can't. a bet I just won. Um, <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> but McElrath is literally being wasted on this roster because if we live in a world where... AV doesn't even have room for Adam Clendenning in his top six. There will never be room for Dylan McElrath. Never. Ever. ever you ever, would ever. need two. You would need two defensive injuries to make it happen. And even when there were two defensive injuries to make it happen, AV still used five defensive players in the third period. Yep. So it's just it's not going to happen. So get McElrath out of here, which is unfortunate because there is talent there. He is a piece. I think he could have worked with the Rangers, but. What are you going to do? Nothing. AV doesn't see it the same way, so let's move on. AV's not leaving, so McElrath is. is right. Is, but does that mean, is Shea getting sent down at some point? Do you think that Okay, so here's, here's my thought on that. Shea shouldn't be sent down. I agree. At the same time, I can't justify playing Brady Shea before Adam Clendenning. Yeah. So yep. if, the, if the option is Clendenning or Shea, unfortunately, I think you – like. This shouldn't be the option given. The option should be Girardi or Holden. If we're being completely honest, night in, night out basis, the Rangers should be just rotating those two guys to keep them healthy and fresh and play the hot hand, play the matchup. That should be who you're rotating between the sixth and seventh spot in your D. But that's not the world we live in. The world we live in right now where it seems like we're deciding between Brady Shea and Adam Clendenning. Clendenning's been this, one of the two best defenders the Rangers have. You can't bench him. Shea, admittedly, has looked decent sometimes and has struggled at other points. So it's not exactly like Shea's batting 1,000 right now. Maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. If it means getting Adam Clendenning in this lineup to at least have three serviceable defensive skaters on the ice, four if you include Mark Stahl, yeah, I say send down Shea. I don't want to send down Shea. I want to live in a world where Shea, Clendenning are both in the six, night in and night out, but... That's just not the reality we're living with AV, and it's beyond frustrating. Right. I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, I, I think Shea might end up having to stay up at this point in time. Honestly, I think they send him down for, for room because they know they can bring him back up. They don't have to lose him or place, place him on waivers. That's really the reason. Right. It's one of those un- – it's an unfortunate situation where you, Brady Shea gives you roster flexibility that other players don't because every other player you'd have to expose to waivers. And the Rangers know if they expose Adam Clendenning to waivers, he's getting claimed and he's going to see ice time. I just, I, the frustration, it really boils down to 
this is basically Adam Clendenning versus Nick Holden. And the fact that <laughs> yep. it's not just that AV it's not just that AV thinks Holden right now is the better player, it's that he's not willing to listen to the discussion to hear why Clendenning might be better. Right. He and he won't even he won't even attempt to I mean, we're four and two and we should be six and zero. Oh, so I'm not particularly too upset, and this is all nitpicking at this point in time. Uh but I think it's time to see if you could you have something in Adam. Like he he provides the best offensive ability for for a defenseman. It just he has the best passing ability of anyone we have, from what I've seen. See, my thing is, it's not even we need to see what we have in Clendenning. We've seen what we have in Clendenning. He's been a very good two way skater, and he's been great on the power play for the Rangers so far this year. It's there. It's evident. We've seen it. I don't know how you can justify taking him out of the lineup, but Av's found a way, and that to me is unacceptable. And, again, like, this is – Adam Clendenning is not the type of player where anyone should be getting up, standing on a table, and yelling to the heavens that A.V. needs to be removed as the coach. But at the same time, this is the kind of move that makes you question, does A.V. know how to properly evaluate defensive players? And given the data in front of us and given the actions he's taken, I don't know how anyone – can stand there and tell me with 100% certainty that AV is a reliable talent evaluator for a defensive player. I can't tell you that because I've, I've watched him make decisions about Dan Girardi, and I think he just likes his guys. We, we've talked about that this before. He hates – I think he just hates McElrath because, well, I think he hates the kid. Like, it's, it's not really his play style. Yeah, he, I, whatever, whatever his beef is with McElrath, that's his beef, and – it's done. It's over. There's no future. Like, it's hard to say this. There does not seem to be any signs whatsoever to point to Dylan McElrath having a future with the New York Rangers, which makes his uh, appearance on this roster a bit confusing. I don't know. I don't know the situation between Jeff Gordon and Elaine Vigneault. You'd have to think those two need to be somewhat in step with each other, both ideologically, and in terms of talent evaluation. Because I don't know why Gordon would keep putting people on the roster for AV not to use. At the same time, Gordon wouldn't have McElrath here if he didn't have value in Gordon's mind. But AV's never going to play him. So I don't know what Gordon does in that situation. It's a bit confusing. Right. All right, so uh, just to move on real quick, one of the things I wanted to touch on that we, one of the reasons I, I read this nice little Reddit post today by user Blue Shirt to Dave, he said one of the reasons we've been winning is because while well, we've been winning every single faceoff, and this team right now has a, I believe, a fifty-three point four faceoff percentage win. Uh, last year we struggled mightily in the faceoff, and it's obvious, it's evident that Mika and uh, bringing Kevin Hayes over, well Kevin Hayes bringing Mika over, sorry I can't even speak right now. Bringing Mika over and Kevin Hayes start stepping up his face-off game and actually becoming a real center has been a big part of this team. Uh, I, I do have one qualm with Kevin Hayes' game. He's been giving away a lot of pucks. Last night he gave away six pucks. That's way too many to turn over for a center, or even for any player. At the same time, uh, I read. I, 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 I want to credit the right person on this. It was either our buddy Joe Fortunato... Um, or Dave Shapiro, who made the point that you notice players making turnovers because they're putting themselves in offensive positions to create chances. And 
in order to create chances, there, it, there, there comes some risk. And I think part of the problem with Hayes is we see him making these turnovers, but we forget that he's making these turnovers from an aggressive position on the ice where he's trying to create goal-scoring opportunities. And those kind of risks have been working for most players. Like, for Mika, it's been working. For the second line, Jimmy VC has been an animal, and it's been working. We notice it with Hayes a little bit because he seems to flub it up from time to time, but I don't necessarily think his turnover numbers are bad. I think he's it, – it's one of those – it's one of those situations, right, where, you know, back in his heyday when he was the man with the Boston Celtics, we would talk about uh, Rondo's assist numbers, right? Yeah, they were but insane. They were insane. But with the assists came a good deal of turnovers because Rondo was putting himself on the basketball court in positions to make plays that other players were not capable of. And I think part of Hayes' game – is Hayes has been such a dynamic player on the offensive zone that Hayes finds himself in positions other players aren't or can't be in. And he, I don't know if he gets left on an island per se, but he tries to create from his position of strength where players playing around him aren't ready to receive that pass specifically, and it results in a turnover. I don't necessarily think Kevin Hayes is making sloppy plays. I think his turnovers are coming from a point of aggressive aggression on the ice that is, you know, ideally, of course, I'm not trying to advocate for the Rangers to commit more turnovers. Listen, you try to That's argue with the playing. stats, Greg? <laughs> I, I am. Uh, you tried to earlier. I lost. So why, why can't I have my turn? No, go ahead. Um, no, my thing is uh, there's no such thing as a good turnover, but Hayes' turnovers are coming from him spending more time on the puck than we've ever seen him spend on the puck because he's, in that process, we're slowly seeing him uh, bring his game to a new level as well. And, you know, it might not show there yet in the goals and the assists, but he's doing things that Jimmy VC was doing in the first couple games of the year before VC got in the score sheet. So I think it's only a matter of time for Hayes. And I, I just – I think the way the offensive forwards are playing right now, everyone's getting a little nitpicky, which is fine because that's great. The fact that – the Rangers are so dynamic offensively, we're kind of scrambling to figure out where the problem is. And we're trying to identify it before it happens, which is fine. That's, you know, that's a mindset I'm very familiar with as a Met fan um, because I'm not used to being that happy all the time. <laughs> what? But right now with this offense, I think you just need to sit back and be just thrilled with everything they're doing. And I don't think there's... There's nothing about the offensive attack I would change last, right now. With last the Ranger question before we move on to this. Well, move on to the next couple games, and then I want to do, do some little bit of baseball talk and a little bit of nonsense. Uh, how noticeable is Jimmy VC? He incredibly is he. Could he be a top line player? Is he? All right, let me put it this way: Could he be a superstar? Um. I'm still on. So I'm still on the fence. Superstar, he'd have. So we're talking the Patrick Kane level winger. No, I know. I would say I would do top ten player. I guess I would say because who would you say is superstar? Is that not Patrick Kane? No, Patrick Kane's would, a top I would like, say, one player. <laughs> that's a superstar. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if you're top ten, then you are putting him in some way, shape, or form 
you you're saying he's a form of Ovechkin, Kane, Malkin, um, Crosby. That's the conversation. Well, Crosby is a center, but like that's oh, the yeah. conversation you want to put him in with those wingers. I think that is a little too fanboy for me. It's definitely uh, it's no. a fanboy question. The version of we're seeing of Jimmy VC right now is somewhere in the top, like the 95th percentile of what I had hoped Jimmy VC could be as a Ranger. And I did not think Jimmy VC would be this, this quickly. Um, do I see him as a top line player? Absolutely. Does that mean the Rangers should be playing him top line minutes? No, no, no. Absolutely not. No. Because the thing that's making this Ranger offensive group so great is that you have top six forwards sprinkled between your top three lines. This was a futures question. This was like in two years from now, and Jimmy Vesey is still on this team, hopefully, because I think he believes a two-year contract, um, or a two-way, whatever. Uh, could he be the face of this of this team? Uh, yeah, like... Do I? We live in a scenario where the top line in two years, if everything keeps going on the track it's going, could be Kreider, Zabinajad, BC, oh. and it would be inc- like even in two years, all those guys are still under the age of twenty-six. Right. So we could be talking about a very dynamic, deep line for that you could build a generation of Rangers hockey on. Totally possible. At the same time, BC's been noticeable. VC's been great. What we need to remember is that the league is seeing Jimmy VC for the first time. They are seeing VC do these dynamic things on the ice. So there is going to be a response. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And what we'll learn from Jimmy VC when that response happens, that's when we'll figure out just how high his ceiling truly is. If VC can respond to the league adjustment quickly, that's a special player. At the same time, we've seen plenty of, on paper, more talented players not respond to the league response. So I think that's the true telling about how good Jimmy Vesey can be. Right now, Jimmy Vesey, arguably the second best winner on the Rangers. I think only Chris Kreider right now is having a better year than Jimmy Vesey. But the thing that's special about Kreider right now is this is Kreider's adjustment to the adjustment. Like, the league saw Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider adjusted. It took Kreider a long time, but he adjusted to the league. And what we're seeing now with Kreider is that talent meeting work. And what we're seeing right now with VC is talent. It's there. It's, it's just obvious. Talent. It slaps you in the face. When he, but, when he went to the net against Washington – and held the puck and, and deked out a, a defender as he was right on him and scored, I was like, this is it. Like, this is the kid. This this run from VC has been great, and it's justified every scout's take on VC about him potentially being a special player. But in order to be a special player, you need to be able to adjust to the adjustment. And the league has not adjusted to Jimmy VC yet. It will because the league is full of smart people. And when they do that adjustment – that's when we're going to see just what kind of player Jimmy Vesey's going to be. Great. And now it's time for a new Blue Shirts Breakaway segment, uh, national holidays and upcoming schedules. You ready? Oh, boy. You ready? Oh boy. October 26th, we play the Bruins. It is also Horseless Carriage Day, National Horseless Mitz- Carriage Day. <laughs> National Mitzmeat Day, 
National Mule Day, and National Worldwide Howl at a Moon Night. <laughs> uh, is a horse's carriage a car? A horseless carriage, yeah. It's like, a car. What is, what is a, <laughs> like, either, either a horseless carriage is a car, or a horseless carriage is like a trailer park that is now put in foundation. Yeah. Like, a horseless carriage doesn't move, right? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a mobile home, almost. A mobile home that's no longer mobile. <laughs> no, I need that horse. So are you going to howl at the moon? Is that what you're going to do? I'm definitely going to howl at the moon on Wednesday night versus the Bruins. And um, right. I'm also going to eat some mincemeat. So mm, what I'll exactly is mincemeat? <laughs> you know, some things are best left unanswered. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about this game. So we're actually at home versus Boston. Uh, this is a, uh, I think, a game we can win. Very winnable. I actually feel like, is there any team you're scared of right now? Um... I want to eh, scared of who? Who is a team like you? We play against you. Like I think we're gonna lose. Uh, the Washington Capitals. I did not expect to win on Saturday okay. at okay. all. Okay. <laughs> um, if I'm way, being completely in, honest, in Washington, the last last uh, eleven games we were eight three and zero, and now we're nine three and zero. Well, look at that. You're messing it up. Hey. Um, I'd be interested to see how this Rangers team matches up against the Canadians because the Canadians right now are playing. Nearly flawless hockey, so that would be an interesting Which matchup. Which I hate, by the way. I would like to play the Blackhawks. Yeah, but the Blackhawks—they've been a bit mercurial early in the year. I don't think they've had all. I don't, I don't think they've so had time to work out all their now, kinks. Not, not like when they like a team that we know is going to be good. If, we're, if I'm saying, hey, when do I want to play the Blackhawks and expect to win? Right now, I would want the Red uh, Blackhawks within the next two weeks before they figure it out. Because I still think as soon as the Blackhawks figure it out. That's a team I'd be terrified of playing. Now, there's always a possibility the Blackhawks never figure it out. Um, but no, there's not. They, yeah, they, <laughs> they have they have the talent. They got the goalkeeping. That I I always feel like they will figure it out at some point in time. They will. Uh, and I have I will tell you I think we will beat the Bruins Wednesday night at MSG. I have a feeling we will win four two. Okay. Your I Bruins. mean, it's possible. I, I it's you know yeah. Okay. Sure. I, I I was just saying we're going streaking and we're going streaking until Sunday. With our next game at Carolina in Raleigh versus the Hurricanes, and and in case Wait, what day of the week is that? It's it's Friday, and oh. that that Friday happens to be National Frankenstein Friday, International Animation Day, National Bandana Day, uh, Separation of Church and State Day, huh. <laughs> and Wild Foods Day. What what was the last one? Wild Foods. What's a wild food? <laughs> Uh, I have no response. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, I'm just I'm always bummed when the Rangers are in. So Raleigh is one of the three drivable-ish places from Savannah that I can see a hockey game, but I want to take off a Friday. I like if that game was Saturday, I'd be there. It's no how, how, how far away is is that without me looking at it's, Google Maps? It's about five hours it's from little, Savannah. It's, it's not close. Semi drivable, but, but not really. I've done it before. Like I would like uh, the the time I did it before. I drove the night before the game, then spent the whole day. Raleigh's a really fun town. Is it? Uh, I, yeah, I had a great time. Um, the, there's more to do there than you would expect. It's basically a, a college city. NC State's right around there, so it's yeah, that makes there sense. are a whole there are a lot of bars that are just fun and uh, right up our alley, but. It's not a place where I would want to drive to, see a game, then drive home from. Like, that's an overnight trip. But, but then again, so is Tampa Bay, and so is uh, Sunrise, Florida, where the Florida Panthers play. 
Um, I just if any of those games are on a Saturday or a Sunday, and the Rangers are playing, I would go see them and drive. But a Friday would involve taking a whole day off of work on Friday to Can't do, do it. That. Can't do it. And I, 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 yeah, just I did kid, forget kid, to mention. Uh, there's one more holiday. It's Plush Animal Lovers Day. What was your oh favorite plush animal, Greg? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I do not have a response. I had a black puppy. Its, its name was Black Pup. I was very inventive what? as a two-year-old. Why is it? Why is it gotta be black? Because it was actually black, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, uh, next Sunday we play the Lightning at home, and I believe we will <sighs> lose this game, Gregory. Uh, but it'll be a close one, or or it might be our first legitimate loss. Do you have any guesses what holiday that might be? Uh, well, it's, it's Halloween Eve, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea. Mischief Night, you might have heard of it. Oh, yeah, that should have been an obvious one. Um, Mischief Night, National Buy a Donut Day. Oh, yeah. Connor, Connor Clark's going to be all over that Are shit. Are you ready for these two? National Visit a Cemetery Day and okay. right? It was like, oh, it's National Visit a Cemetery Day. Let's go and National Sugar Addiction Awareness Day. Sugar. <laughs> Sugar. That's 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 not a real addiction. That's like when people say they're like addicted to uh, I don't know what's a what's a cheesy fucking addiction. Um, um, uh, gourmet cheeses. Yeah, or like, yeah, I was just. You Dad, asked what a, Greg, you you asked what a cheesy addiction was. No one's addicted to sugar. Sugar's just wonderful. Fuck off. Everyone I, loves sugar. I'm pretty sure half, people who don't like sugar are the gluten-free maniacs that run around there telling me I shouldn't eat bread. Fuck off. Oh, my God. How did I miss this one? I'm sorry. Create, oh God. create a great funeral day. <laughs> oh, great funeral. I don't understand. <laughs> oh I don't understand why everything needs a day. Why does everything need a day, Ryan? Greg, I um, this is a segment I've been meaning to do for a bit for when we schedule the games. I'm gonna keep this one going if you don't mind. I, I really, I, I, I do not, I do not mind whatsoever. I create a great funeral day. So, uh, verse the lightning. Sunday is create hashtag create a great funeral. Uh, I think we'll uh, end up being a close one, or we will have a legitimate our first legitimate loss on Sunday. Just my two cents. Your two cents have been taken. Thank you so much. Uh, I know you have to go soon, Greg, so I would like to talk briefly about the World Series. Fucking great that the Cubs are in, huh? Yeah. No, this is a good one. I, I this think is pretty good. It's going to be fun either way. It's either going to be super fun if the Cubs win or, you know, kind of enjoyable if the Indians win. I, I would be more happy for the Indians if the Cavs didn't win this year. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, like, like suck at Cleveland, you got what you wanted. Like I know this is this is this is just like bonus at this point. This is like now it's really your year. But I think like, about, it would have been cool for any team in Cleveland to win the first championship. It's still going to be cool if the Browns ever decide to be good, just because they've been so bad for so long. Right. Um. That's but I mean, the Browns kind of like people forget Cubs were fucking terrible not too long ago. Three years ago, really bad. They were they were awful. In the, in the not too distant past, and that's the, the good Starling Castro years since fucking 1948. I have a I I I've been thinking about this the last couple of days with how well he's been playing in the postseason and how much he was connected to the Mets. Can you imagine if the Mets and Cubs ever did strike a pitcher for Javier Baez deal? Oh, I actually can imagine because the Rays were very fucking close to that trade <laughs> four goddamn times, Greg. 
We almost yeah. traded Oda Rizzi and we almost traded Archer. We almost we almost traded for well, Javier Baez. Now you would have you would have traded Archer back to the Cubs. It's important to remember that the Cubs yes, originally they, traded for Archer. That which is would be insane if he was also there. Um, but they don't need him. Like and it's weird to say that they don't need him. Yeah, well, th- that's the thing. Like, so when I, I remember thinking about it, the the pieces this was before Syndergaard made his debut. He was often connected, and I that never felt good. And I can say right now. I still wouldn't trade Syndergaard for Baez, but yeah, and I, I, I remember I remember being hesitant about Stephen Matz. I, I I feel like I'd do that trade three times over now. Um, but this is why Theo Epstein is smarter than all of us because for years, for years, the Cubs, everyone thought they would have to trade a hitter to get pitching, and the Rays and the Mets were the two teams most often connected with them because the Mets had plenty of pitching. And the Rays have plenty of pitching that people thought there wouldn't be room for Baez with Chris Bryant, with Kyle Schwarber, with Addison Russell, with all these pieces. And you know what? Joe Madden just makes it fucking work. Really? And I have no Theo, idea what that's like. Theo, Theo Epstein just knew that in this day and age, you can buy pitching for a couple of years at a time, but you, you literally cannot find hitting. And you know how he knows that? Because he signed Jason Hayward to a $100 billion contract, <laughs> and he hit 220. So, But he plays nobody... great defense, Greg. Yeah, okay. Catches all um, the balls. All the, all the balls, <laughs> right in his mouth. Um, but Theo, that this is why Theo is just smarter than everybody else. He did it with the Red Sox. I swear to God, if Theo wins a title with the Cubs, put him in Cooperstown tomorrow, and then let him go with Paul D. Podesta to figure out the Browns. And then once he, fig- once he figures it out with the Browns, let Theo go to Arsenal and let him figure it out with Arsenal and just let Arsenal win a title again. And once he figures it out with Arsenal, send him, I, I don't know, send him to... I got you a good one. The United States government? Oh, God, he'd, he'd probably be a great president. Um, yeah, just keep, keep sending Theo to places that haven't won in a long time. Well, you, you mentioned let the him pitching win. at the Cubs but and, and the... They just found, they walked into pitching. Let's not forget, I dropped Kyle Hendricks three years ago as a fifth starter. <laughs> he, I'm sure um, someone dropped, he was a streamer option last year. Two years ago, yeah. But all of a sudden, now he is a Cy Young candidate. Along with, by the way, the two other people on their team. I mean, the Jake Arrieta trade is going to go down as an all-timer for the Chicago Cubs. And I do, it's one of those trades where I don't think you can blame the Orioles for it. Because if Jake Arrieta stayed with the Orioles... He just would not have figured it out. He would have never out. been good. He would have never would, been good. He would not have figured it out. Like, the talent was always there with Jake Arrieta, and then he just got into the right system with the right coaches, and he figured it out. I don't think he would have figured it out in Baltimore. Uh, just like, you know, go back even more historically than that. Would John Smoltz have figured it out in Detroit? Or did John Smoltz need someone like Leo Mazzoni to put him on a Hall of Fame track? Probably. Like. Some some players, you just need the right system. And the Cubs understood the talent that Jake Arrieta had. They understood the pitches in his arsenal. They taught him a cutter, and they made him unbelievable. But I, I don't think I – don't, I think Jake Arrieta's completely different track if he stays in Baltimore. Totally. I don't think he's a Cy Young Award winner. Totally agree. Um, so let's make a prediction. I have Cubs in six. I have Cubs in five. Okay. Uh, I, I hope that does come true. I, I just want the Cubs to win so I can start hating them. I just, I think the Cubs story this year is phenomenal. It's I, too good. 
I've said it to anyone that would listen. And this was before the, I thought one. the Mets would actually be good. Week I one. said it's it's the Cubs. Yeah. This year. You did. I've been I've been saying it all year. And like it didn't matter how hot the Mets got. I like none of this matters. It's the Cubs year. And you know what? I'd love to be right. That'd be great. I should have put money on the Cubs before the season started. That's my only regret. Yeah, you said week one of this podcast when baseball started, you're like the Mets. They're going to be good this year. But guess what? The Cubs are going to win. And that was that was it. That it might go down as one of my best calls. Or maybe my only call. Like the exact opposite of my Chris Kreider call. The exact opposite. All right. With that note, uh, happy uh, whatever today is, by National Donut Day. And uh, that's – oh, that's – sorry. That's Sunday. We'll, we'll, I forgot what to look up today's word, but next week we'll have more national holidays. We'll talk about the next week in Rangers. Maybe we'll have a guest. I hope. Who knows? And uh, <laughs> I want to – Hey, how's, how's L.I. Joe doing? Hey, he's still my friend, I think. Is he, though? No, because he won't even come on your podcast. <laughs> I, I'll message him. I, I I have been lazy. I want to make uh, an, an do you apology. Have his, now, do you have his phone number? I have it right here. <laughs> okay. You've been doing a podcast I, for almost a year. We went to college together. Number. You don't have my phone number. Yeah, okay. We're, we're best friends. You know, it was our five-year college reunion this weekend. I know. I was at a wedding of one of, one of our dear friends. Yeah. You and I were both in different states of drug. Gregory, I have never consumed that much alcohol. I, you know... I've definitely drank more alcohol than I did this weekend. I've been to bachelor parties. Those killed me. But this weekend, I I showed up at my buddy's house around 2 o'clock on Saturday with an 18-pack of the high life, just living the dream. Mm -hmm. The next thing I know, we're out of beer, and I don't know how it happened. (laughs) And and then the next day, we went to the bar. We lived the high life again. Went back to his house with the six-pack after drinking – Four and it's buckets gone. of beer, and we're out of beer again. <laughs> and I have no idea how it happened. And then each time, like, I would, I would, uh, I would get ready to watch the Ranger game. I'm like, you know what? I can't do this right now. I'm gonna watch it tomorrow morning when I'm not just seeing shapes and colors and <laughs> not understanding everything. Oh my god, dude! I did not mean to get as messed up in the head as I did this weekend. Because in reality, I really didn't do anything. I basically went to a buddy's house, sat down, and watched football all day. But really tough boy, it, it oh my god, did it mess me up. I want to get a, I want to touch next week on how the NFL is failing, but we have to go for right now. Holy uh, shit, is it terrible? Though. It is so fucking bad, Greg, and I don't care at all. I, we gotta go. I... So follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break, Instagram Blue Shirts Breakaway. Go to our yep. Facebook page, Blue Shirts Breakaway, yep. um, and our T-shirts are for sale on our website at BlueShirtsBreakaway.com. Gregory, got a Facebook page too. We got I already said that. Too. I already said okay. it. And, All right, uh, and maybe one day you'll get a website where I can write articles on it. I would love to do that. Uh, now that my work is finally starting to calm down, I did send out a shirt late to someone in Idaho that listens to us, so I'm sorry them. Yeah. Kiss your mother with that mouth. I, I did, uh, so I hope they get their shirts. I think they're getting them this week. Did and you ship my shirt? I did. What? Did you really? I, I believe I shipped it on Friday. I'll let you know. I have the track. Oh, okay. Um, all, right. all right. I love you all, guys. We will see you next Monday. Uh, Tuesday is when we post. We'll see you next Tuesday morning. And uh, anything else? Last words, Greg? Uh, go Cubs. Create a great funeral, everyone.